What's up, man? What's up? How you doing? What up, Eric? Welcome to another episode of Staying in Trouble, year 2021. Starting the year off, first episode of the new year. Man, Eric, how, how's your December, man? How did uh, the end of 2020 treat you? Good, busy. Got a lot of opportunities going on right now. We've got a lot of, uh, a lot of great things coming up. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about is like in, in um, this year is being a little bit, uh, getting some more of our guests on more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have Steve Hawks, one of my friends Sweet. come on, start talking a little bit more real estate. I know everyone that's on everyone's mind right now. I, I actually got a lot of questions for real estate right now. <laughs> so, well, and it's a, it's kind of a crazy time too. I mean, it's not, I mean, but that's actually, that's uh when, when agents come into the business, I tell them, I said, you know, what you know today or what's working today may not work in three months or six months. And people are like, how is that? They're like, houses don't change. I'm like, houses do change. Financing constantly changes. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we see that, right? Life, life always, there's always going to be a curveball coming. So you got oh. <laughs> to stay alive. When you're in the batter's box, you got to stay alive. Well, the, the, the end of my 2020 was a wild roller coaster, man. I, uh, beginning of December, I caught COVID. And, uh, I don't know if it was the same with you, but I had like two days that it really knocked me down. It, it, the shivers shakes, I was in bed and I tried to isolate myself from the rest of the family in the house, locked myself in the room. We didn't let the kids in or nothing, but of course it got passed around this house, like a collecting tray at church, man, you know, That's and good. I'm and, glad. So everyone's doing healthy now, but December was a little weird. We couldn't celebrate Christmas like we normally could because we wanted to stay away from aging family members and stuff like that. So we didn't have like the family Christmases, dinners and stuff that we normally would. So hey, Adam, it, you're Adam, your your camera is moving. You're oh, you're like twittering like this. All Boom. over the place. Yep. I'm actually in a rotating chair. <laughs> I'm lucky to find this quiet room in this house or else I would be on the toilet in the bathroom. <laughs> But anyway, I like that spot too. So <laughs> I'll try to hold still, but, uh, it was, um, it was kind of a crazy, the way we ended the year. And then, uh, then, uh, another bomb kind of dropped on us in 2021. And that's where a lot of my real estate questions come from is, um, the home market has like skyrocketed, I think, and the homes in my neighborhood. And I live, I think. I live in a very middle-class track development area and we were renting the you home. Live in a, you live in an upper middle-class track home. Is that what it is? Okay, maybe. So and if you I, look at the demographics of where you live, uh-huh. is your the average median income in that area, because I live in that area as well, is far is probably somewhere between 65 and and eighty-five thousand dollars per household, okay. which uh, 
you're like, well, that's not that much. The average median household in Las Vegas is still right around 55 uh, pre-COVID. Okay. So, so it's considered a, a upper middle class uh, neighborhood. Well, but so to answer your question though, real quick, because that question you're asking is that's one of the number one questions is it, you know, is real estate in a bubble? Is real estate too high? Bah, 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 bah. We just got uh, a memorandum stating that basically, to be honest with you, if a tenant plays the system, which that happens, they could legitimately be in a house for 2021, according to state guidelines as of today, for the whole year without possibly even paying rent. Well, the homes in the neighborhood, the home across the street, uh, sold last week really quick. And it yeah. was funny. It was, it sold sight unseen from some Californians and it sold for four eighty. And then the home down the street, same model as mine about the same. And so then at the beginning of the month, uh, usually in January, our leases up, our contracts up and for March 1st. So our, the homeowner here, uh, sends us a letter saying we're not we don't want to renew your lease uh and we want to sell the home which i kind of don't blame them and that that's kind of the downfall when you rent a house is right you never know when it's going to end and that's that's part of that's what you have to live with when you rent a home and i and i understand that and uh i there's no hard feelings or anything weird like that um so then we now we have to get out and we've been looking around and we kind of have come up with an idea that's kind of a, it's going to be kind of a wild ride. Uh, we want to, my wife wants to help take care of her parents, which they kind of need full-time care. So they live in an area of town where there's a lot of property on their, on their property, a lot of room on their property. And uh, we're parking a trailer over there and we're going to live over at her in-law so we can take care of them and try to put some money away, pay off some stuff. And then hopefully we can follow our dream. And we always wanted to build a home, but what I'm hoping, and here comes another question for you is because a lot of out of staters are buying these homes up. Like the rest of us were buying toilet paper at the beginning of 2020. And a lot of average Americans cannot compete against cash buyers because they have to obviously go through financing and down payments and approvals and all of that stuff. And these other people are coming in quickly and purchasing them. Like I said, sight unseen, not all of them, but in the one case I mentioned, can, can this market sustain itself at these high prices and these loopholes for average everyday people I don't understand the home I'm living in. I do not, I don't know. I just don't think it's worth that. I mean, obviously it is, but so no. So how, the, how does, so this, uh, how does an average day person who is making, like you said, between 60 and 80, somewhere in there, or maybe even more, but they have to go through financing and they don't have the big, say they didn't sell a home and have that money. How, how did, and Will this market sustain itself at these high prices for a long period of time? So some of the perspective to understand is it's not just our market. It's nationwide. And okay. the, 
the interest rate right now is two point between two point six and two point eight, right? When's the last time you bought a car from a dealership? Oh, uh, a long time. I don't buy brand new. Yeah, you're a horrible person to ask I that know. question. So Very at bad. dealerships, <laughs> they've been selling cars. So what do you think? What if you wanted to get a brand new uh, Toyota Tundra right now? What do you think the cost would be? Uh, like the interest rate? What are you asking? Uh, uh, what would the price be? What would be the cost? Brand new? I, I would think with a few bells and whistles between sixty and seventy thousand dollars. Yeah. So uh, look to the car market as an answer for your home market. So right now um, we have, you know, politically the nation is kind of divided and, and all over the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what's happened to Bitcoin in the last month? Do you know? Uh, the only story I actually heard of Bitcoin is some guy who lost his password and he's going to yeah, lose $220 million. or something like that. Yeah, $220 million is what he lost. But uh, so Bitcoin has been going like this, yeah. right? And the reason being is, and gold has been going like this again. So in time of fear, people move to asset classes that are stable. Um, Last time I checked, most houses have a foundation. They're not going anywhere. Plus you have uh, a ton of money that's been put in the system. You've had $2 trillion already that's been put into the American economy. Joe Biden, the Biden administration is looking at another 1.7 possibly going into the economy. Mm -hmm. What that does is it puts more money into the economy, but it also pushes the value of the dollar down because it dilutes it. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so on the macroeconomic side of things, this is why on most markets across the nation. So we have a few factors, right? I told you there's a moratorium on rentals, right? Mm-hmm. You could have been shady and said, hey, you know what? My family has COVID in December. And you're like, hey, I don't want to get out. I'll, we're going to be in here for a while. And then, um, you know, and then you could have rode the moratorium out. You could ride the moratorium and not pay rent for a whole year. And then so if you did that, though, that's hypothetically, right? Yeah. You, instead of the seller being able to sell the house, now that asset is locked up. So it's reducing the amount of supply. So if supply is low and demand is higher, what happens to prices? They go up. They go up. That's right. And so if the cost of money, right, if the cost to borrow that money is lower, what happens? The prices go up. And so is it sustainable? is at some point in the future, and we don't know when, but there will be a balancing, right? There'll be a mm-hmm. time when there, COVID won't be prevailing. The, the, the balance of that will be though, is right now, are you employed? Yes. So, and uh, actually I, I published the stats. I think the Nevada unemployment rates only seven, is 17%, right? Uh And which has been, and it was at like 3%. Now we're at 17%. So it seems like a lot of people are unemployed, but even at 17% in Nevada is a high unemployment state because we're a destination. Yeah. We're an entertainment destination. Right. Mm -hmm. But really, if you, if you think about it nationwide, 
the national unemployment rate is 9%. That means 91% of the population still has a job. Does it mean that they're making more money? Not necessarily, but what it means is they've got a job, it's coming in, they're not having to, uh, you know, and a lot of other places are also like, uh, you know, a lot of people I know are all about the side hustle right now, right? And so, but going back to uh, the value of money and is this sustainable? So once the economy comes back and people aren't living, you know, are able to have a more stable employment situation, what's going to happen to the interest rate? Hopefully it'll come down. No, it's already at an all-time low. Interest rate has to go up. up? Yeah, 2021 your interest rate's going to go up to about 4% by probably the, 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 the banks usually meet. It's the central bank, by the way, it's a U U S treasury. And they usually meet in August for a published rate in September. And I think by the summer of 2021, when you see like the amount of people who are vaccinated, you see the amount of people that have the antibodies Mm -hmm. and, Like school will be out anyways through June, July, August. And then in fall of 2021, you'll see kids going back to school. And part of that one. So when the economy now has been pumped full of steroids, what happens when you start coming off the steroids or off of sugar? Uh, You have a crash. You have a crash. So we call it a crash, but really it's a lag, right? You're like, oh, man. And so that's what I think is going to happen. You're going to, the interest rates are going to come back up at four, somewhere around 4%. And then the prices come down a little bit? Uh, you'll see an easing of prices. But what, what we really need to see, now that there's a moratorium, though, it's putting a cap on supply. And so the demand is higher right now, but the supply is not there. Okay. And, so, uh, and so you have this quandary that we're in right? This could change in three months. In three months or a month, the governor, uh, governors across the nation could say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do away with the, with the moratoriums. The problem being is like in California, Nevada, and I can only speak of Nevada, uh, is uh, these moratoriums are costing landlords hundreds, if not, uh, depending on the landlord, if not millions of dollars. Now, those landlords, they're not getting a subsistence back from the government through one of the stimulus packages? You can apply, um, but you need to be a lower tiered. You need to show that you're economically damaged. Yeah, that you're, you know, like we have some landlords and that that's their income, right? So that landlord is going to is going to be able to apply for assistance easier than someone who has four or five, six rentals and has a, okay. you know, other sources of income, they're not as quick to offer assistance for that uh, investor or landlord than they are someone who, you know, we have some aged investors that uh, that's what they've been able to do is, is buy a couple of homes and, and, uh, and been responsible for their money. That's yeah. the unfortunate part about government money is it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't reward people that have been responsible. 
it yeah. actually rewards the people that take the risk. And so, and that's part of the reason why we're not fighting this and doing any of that. That's why we're going to honor it. We'll be out before March 1st. And I, I, you know, we're not those type of people that are going to damage the home or do anything because I believe in karma. And I think, you know, you do something bad, it's going to come back to you. And to be honest with you, this new venture that my family's getting into, I need all the good (laughs) <laughs> vibes and karma my way because I'm going to need it. But, uh, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, we have a lot of work to do, uh, t- to try to move a family of nine people out of a home and then into something so small that can fit into our garage in our home now. So we're, I'm calling it, we're purifying our lives, meaning we're cutting all this extra stuff out. We're selling yeah. a ton of stuff. We're getting rid of stuff. We're not taking a lot of stuff with us. And our personal items, our physical items, I believe, weigh on us it, in a sort of a way. And No, I, no, not in a sort of way. Let's stop right there. There's three, there's a, three costs to everything that you have. Yeah, Every okay. physical thing that you have in life, there's three costs. One is the cost to buy that item, right? Yeah. The headphones that you and I are wearing, it's the cost to buy these. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's the cost to maintain these, right? You got to clean them. You got to store them. And, mm-hmm. and then the third cost is to store them, right? Yeah. So no matter what it is, right, there's a plaque behind you. Mm-hmm. So there was a cost to that plaque. A, you put some work in for it. B, now you have it. C, now someone's got to dust that plaque. Someone's got to take care of that plaque, you know? And so, so yeah, there's a, a lot of weight. And I, as Americans, we forget about it because we, we work, we're, yeah. we're, we work all the time. Or we always want more stuff. And like, like last night I went through my closet and got rid of tons of extra clothing and extra stuff that I feel is just not important or I'm not using and why I hold on to half the stuff I do. It's just like, maybe I, I, I wouldn't call a hoarder mentality, but maybe a little bit, you know that, oh man, I don't want to get rid of this. But if you haven't used it in a year, if it hasn't benefited your life in a whole calendar year, why do you have it? And that's what I'm asking myself. I'm looking around this house like, why do I need this? I don't need this. I haven't used this in the longest time. Unless it's a memory, like a picture or like the the little plaques behind me. Of course, I'm going to keep those because they bring back a time in my life that I've earned those or something like that. But there's a lot of items I'm moving well, all so, over the place, huh? So yeah, you know what's crazy though is going back to I don't want to say hoarder, but you know, prepared mentality is now we're seeing constraints on supply lines, and we mm-hmm. have no idea when those are gonna come back. And so right now, having parts or like, like bike parts, right? Bike yeah. parts right now are totally in demand. And I, I was talking to a couple, I had a bike that uh that the rim got tacoed and trying to repair that thing took about three and a half months. And, (laughs) and so I went to all the bike shops and they're like, listen, you want bike parts in North America? Good luck. They're like, I had no idea that there was that time. Oh man. And so supply chains right now are all bent out of shape. Um, when's the last time you've been to sportsman warehouse? Uh, Probably last summer, but it's been a while buying camping stuff. But okay, when's the last time you've been to Big Five? 
down the uh, street from you. Yeah, probably Christmas time buying some stuff for the kids. How many guns were there? Not very many. Yeah, there's like five. Yeah, like five guns that nobody wants to shoot. And, and, and then, some old World War II rifle that a, a collector may like, but a normal person is not going to defend their house with some old right. gun that got dropped in World War II, you know? So you have a run on guns. You have yeah. a run on ammunition, not only from the... So last year, uh, early spring last year, the government came out and put uh, ammunition uh, contracts out there to buy uh, ammunition, but also the supply chains... There are certain parts of even the basic parts of ammunition that are lagging mm. and are really hard to get. And so they can't even manufacture ammunition at the pace of demand. Well, um, I went to the store the other day. So in 2021, I've also started, um, I don't like to call it a diet because to me, a diet has a start and a finish. I'm changing the way I eat every single day of my life. So part of it, I've been getting into this meal prepping and I, I've read a lot about asparagus and how good a superfood that is. But I love fresh asparagus from the produce and I'll cook it up and I prepare it and stuff. And I really enjoy asparagus. Good luck finding some. Really? I didn't know that. Dude, every day I go to Albertsons, they said, hey, you got to get here early in the morning if you want asparagus. I don't know if that's the new toilet paper or whatever's going on, but uh, every time after work, I go into the produce and it's eaten alive and I cannot find asparagus. So every, all the asparagus I have been finding is the frozen stuff that, you know, comes in those little steam bags. And I've been buying that and preparing that for it, but I love the fresh asparagus trying to find that. I mean, obviously maybe whole foods has a bunch or something like that. I haven't gone to every grocery store, but our local grocery stores, I can't find it. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's an asparagus shortage or some asparagus farm somewhere caught on fire or whatever, but I, uh, just finding little things like that, like the bike parts, I had no idea. Of course, I haven't tried to buy a bike part in a very long time, but I, I had no idea that some of these supply chains are so dwindled in supply. Yeah. And so part of that is a lot of that is COVID, but a lot of these supply chains were under pressure before. Mm -hmm. And so going back to micro and macro economics is I know a lot of people had disdain for when the Trump administration started, you know, this trade, uh, let's call it trade war with China. Yeah. But now you're starting to see why they, the Trump administration was actually a proponent of that because with we're so dependent globally on manufacturing in one location or one nation we now you see post covid what can happen is you know whether it's a fruit or a food or a bike part or and you know or a sleeve for a metal part is you know it creates supply kinks in the supply chain, yeah. right? Yeah. It used to be a wonderful time when you could buy a t-shirt for $9 and you were happy for it. And you found out that that t-shirt was made in 13 different countries. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. And then, you know, and that was a short-lived time. That was called the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> 90s was the high, high tide of supply chain in, in, the, in the globe. And now, you know, it, it, there's 
disasters, hurricanes. Last year we had 23 hurricanes in the South. Yeah. And you're like, well, how's that going to affect a t-shirt? Well, a good portion of cotton, the raw cotton that yeah. goes into our clothing is actually farmed in the Southeast United States. And then those big rolls are sent to uh, Taiwan or mm -hmm. India or Malaysia. And from there, they're made into T-shirts. And then from the T-shirt, it's dyed in another country. And usually um, it takes time for that to happen. Like when the hurricane strikes, it's not an immediate, oh, yep. crap, here comes the cost of T-shirts. But over maybe a calendar year or a period of time, all of a sudden, we were like, what's up with these T-shirts? Oh, yeah, well, remember the hurricane back last year? It slowly started to finally catch up to it all, you know? Right. And so... Well, just like gasoline, gasoline has actually stayed steady through all this because the demand has been lower mm -hmm. because more people have been quarantined. Well, also when the hurricanes hit Louisiana, Louisiana for the United States is one of the largest ports for energy import and export. Yeah. And the Gulf of Mexico, there's a lot of oil, offshore oil rigs and all kinds of stuff out there. Oh, yeah. Everything comes up to the Mississippi mm -hmm. River through for energy. And so, but we didn't see a, a huge bump in that is because demand is lower. And yeah. so, and another coupling of that is there's a proliferation and now it's in vogue to own an electric vehicle, right? Yeah. yeah. The GMC Hummer rolling by LeBron, right? Everybody wants the Hummer drop down top. You know, the Tesla is coming out this year. The Revon's yeah. coming out this year. Um, the F-150 may come out this year. It was supposed to be out last year. I saw um, the commercial on the football la last night. It looked pretty nice. Yeah. So and so you're seeing a proliferation of, of electric vehicles starting to become a little bit more mainstream. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you want to talk about a run-up. Tesla only has uh 13% of the market share. Do you know who the largest auto manufacturer in the world is? Uh I would Ford, General Motors. Okay, General Motors. So General Motors, Ford and Dodge make up like 70% of the total globe uh auto manufacturing. Okay. Um GM is like 40%. But yet the stock prices for Tesla are like 800% higher than all the auto manufacturers. Like you take all the auto manufacturers is like this much. And then Tesla's like this little sliver and Tesla is like 800% higher in their stock price than all the auto manufacturers combined. Because so many people want them or yeah, what's happening? Because the time? demand, well, because yeah, the, the, the Tesla product is so unique and it's, you know, it's like an iPhone all by itself. Oh yeah. I've, I've been seeing a lot of videos of everyone did the new update and seeing what kind of new horn they want for their, all the fun, different horns that people have come up with. Yeah. Kind, well, and so Tesla has, has successfully, you know, uh, you know, they do, they were first to market they weren't technically first to market, but they did it in such a way that it was never done. They did complete. Uh, they took the traditional auto manufacturing route and went yeah. a completely different way. And, and now they're seeing the success from that because That's you cool. have Tesla batteries, you have Tesla yeah. cars, 
you have uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, they were actually first to market on the electric vehicle eighteen uh, wheelers, the the big tractor oh, trailers. Yeah. And Nevada, where we live, was one of the first states to allow it. So mm-hmm. on the highway between Reno and Salt Lake, uh, they would allow those electric vehicles to be run out there. And so, uh, so that's why Tesla is actually way ahead on uh, on tractor trailers. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I I think this year has a lot of good stuff coming, but I also think uh, it's going to be an interesting year. You know, uh, this week uh, we uh, swear in a new president, and obviously that always brings changes and uh, some maybe some scary changes, some good changes. Who knows? Uh, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, our family's definitely changing. I know you have moved your office. And, and uh, Rooftop Realty is doing a few little changes themselves. Uh, I think a lot of our newer episodes at the beginning of this year is going to be just like this, a Zoom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what my background is going to keep changing as we keep doing these episodes. But I, I, at the same time, with all of that stress and uh, changes, there's, there's a feeling that I have of excitement and excitement. Um, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to what the horizons are going to bring, not just for me and my family, but for the country and all of us and, and this show uh, you and I have visited, just like you said earlier, man, I'm excited for some of our guests that we're going to have on this show. I think it's going to be easier to get guests as we do them via zoom and be able to set up times with them. And it, it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate all the listeners that, uh, Check this out last year. I think our, we ended 2020 with some good numbers for this show. Good listeners, good downloads, stuff like that. But uh, we still want to keep climbing, keep working and, uh, and, and doing it. So, you know, looking forward to all of that, you know, so. Yeah, I just want to let our listeners know, we, Adam and I, are, we, we, we brought on some new back end people and, mm-hmm. and they're helping us to develop the show. We're trying to get better and more content out there. Um, we're going to continue on with, with Josh Silito and his certified therapist. He's, uh, you know, mental health, I think has been brought to the forefront with all this quarantine and depression and suicide and even Mm -hmm. relationships, right? Relationships are now you're like, well, it doesn't look like we're leaving. Are we staying or going? Um, (laughs) You know, oh, well, uh, with this move, I may want to start seeing Josh on a personal level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Francis Nagano. Uh, we last year we had Eric Nixick, coach mm-hmm. of the year for that was a lot of the fun. UFC. Uh, his uh, his warrior, Francis Nagano, is challenging for the belt next week against uh, uh, Stipe, uh, Stipe uh, Miocic. And so uh, it'll be fun. Hopefully, we can get Francis on the show. Oh, that would be uh, awesome. Uh, and hopefully we can get Eric back in studio. Cool. Uh, UFC, I think, is doing a phenomenal job. Dude, they don't let off. Like, it started taking a little gas out of the the fourth quarter, and then January comes around, and they're like, boom, let's right. go back to Abu Dhabi. Boom, let's get some big, you know, uh, Sam Holloway had a big win last night, and then, you know, they're just – I feel like the UFC is like, boom. We, we're going to get going. Uh, I'm reading the book Atomic, uh, Atomic Habits. A lot of people wonder what uh, people read and watch. 
Um, and I'm reading Atomic Habits and I'm loving it right now. And it, it talks about your, like your meal prep, right? It, that's, that's changing your environment. You're like, Hey, this is something I can control in my environment to improve myself. And so, uh, you know, I'm, we're going to encourage you, you know, I'll stop, you know, bringing your Twix to work for you. I know (laughs) he used to order those King size double up, like the foursome of Twix and throw those down. Or we'll those four cups of Reese's Reese's cups, ah. the, the four packer, you know? Yeah. Ooh. So, uh, no, I, you know, I think in the totality of things, I think people are looking at how you define success. Hopefully this year. Yeah. Rooftop is looking at building our own office this year and nice. that's in the process. Good. Um, we're also working on possibly building my first subdivision. That'll be fun. Uh, we've got a bunch of things in the works. And I think at the end of the day, just like our podcast is, um, we want to put the work in. We want to, mm-hmm. you know, we want to have the opportunity. I mean, we're going to do a recap. There were so many great episodes last year. I'm still affected by some of the episodes that we got to participate in. Oh, absolutely. I can't eat a pizza without thinking of that conversation. Right? I cannot even take a bite of a pizza and just like, oh, man. Well, in my new little plan, I can't take a bite of any pizza. But before yeah. that, yeah, no, I, he, he has changed the way I view and think of how pizza is prepared. If anyone wants to check that episode out, that was a, with the founder of Metro Pizza. Fantastic episode. It will really get you thinking about your food. Well, I appreciate it. Adam, I got to run. This awesome, is a great man. episode. Let's keep it going. We love uh, the listeners. Please listen. Please check us out. Check our YouTube out. We're going to start blowing it up on social media and uh, please tell someone about the show and please, it helps the show out. I beg you leave a comment, be actively involved. Believe it or not, it helps the show grow. So awesome, man. All right. Till next time, Eric, we'll chat with you later. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you.